All right, man. We're rolling. How you doing? Great. Great. Thanks for having me again, man. I absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I uh, met you for the first time at a, an event, a school event. It was actually my kid's school. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I came up to you and I was like, hey, man, I want to have you on the podcast. Hand you a card. Oh. I remember it was, um, what's the name of this? It was in Okemos, right uh, on Jolly Road. Yeah, Hiawatha. Hiawatha. Yeah. That's right. Hiawatha happening. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But ever since then, I've kind of seen you everywhere. You're at, like literally every event. I see your your uh, uh, camp or not camper uh, trailer part. Yep. And I'm like, man, this guy's everywhere. Yep. Yeah. We, um, you know, that was the idea. Was, um, you know, while we're, you know, testing our operation and getting better at things at the Allen Neighborhood Center at the Accelerator Kitchen, um, you know, we get a trailer and or a food truck, um, but I ended up getting a trailer. Um, and then use that to really, you know, Nickelodeon it out in terms of like the brightness and everything. And then, you know, it's a walking billboard. So, um, the cool thing about it is that we get to kind of choose who, you know, what festivals we want to do and who we want to work with. And we love the Lansing community, the greater Lansing community. So that really, I mean, especially the first summer that I had it, I was like saying yes to everything. So (laughs) the first summer I got it. Um, I definitely like maxed myself out at the end. It was, it was, it was crazy. And then this past summer was even crazier, but it was a little bit just more strategic and more not strategic, but it just, you know, we, we definitely, I was definitely more smarter with the trailer this year. Um, and everyone that we did like counted. So, but yeah, this, this past summer was awesome. It was like definitely our best summer. That's awesome. Now you said you started in 2019, yeah, yep. I um I started Tantai in two thousand nineteen, um, out of the Allen Neighborhood Center's incubator kitchen. And then um yeah, I started doing uh farmers markets. Th- that one was my first one and then I did the East Lansing Farmers Market. And then at the same time I was doing um in home private dining experiences. Wow. So I do like four to five courses up to like 12 to 15 people max because I would do drinks too, like Peruvian Pisco Sours, alcoholic drinks um, if they wanted. And um, and yeah, that's how it all started. Yeah, in the summer of 19. Uh, where did where did the idea come from? Have you always been into cooking? And uh, I've always pre- been into eating, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, but and luckily for me, you know, being Peruvian, um, our food is awesome. And, um, and luckily for me is that like my mom, my dad, you know, family members were pretty good at it too, but nothing from like a restaurant standpoint, you know, you know, just home, Mm -hmm. you know, um, having family in the kitchen. So what food did to people is what really, really, um, what I got interest in and just eating all the time and loving to eat, um, especially Peruvian cuisine. You know, I got, I got, you know, I've eaten stir fries, you know, in a hole in a wall out of a cart, mm-hmm. fancy restaurant, you know, and, um, and then just make, make it myself. So I just always had a passion for Peruvian cuisine and, but, um, but yeah, it's always been a balance of that and then what food does to people. Yeah. So how I got into it, um, was that, yeah, even in college, I would have friends, you know, put some money together and I'd go to Publix 
get some ingredients. Publix. Yeah, Publix. Are you from the South? I'm from uh, Miami originally. Oh, well, I'm okay. from Peru originally, but I grew up in Miami. Okay. I'm yeah. from West Palm Beach. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, right, yep. right, right south of you guys. Yep. Yeah. Miami's a wild place. It's a wild place. It's, it's a, a wild completely place. different country down yeah, there. It is. It's a bubble. <laughs> I love it. I love that place so much. It's wild. It is really, very wild, but I love it. Um, How long did you live in Miami? So I'm 38. Um, I'd You're say 38. I'm 38 years old. Holy cow! You look good yeah. for 38. <laughs> <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> I um, I would say probably about like 31 years. Wow. Uh, 32 years. Were so you born and raised there? I was born in Lima, and then um, my parents brought me to Miami, and um, you know, we traveled back and forth a lot because my both of my parents. My grandparents were living there and we have just a ton of family and um, my mom and my dad were like one of the only ones in their family that were in Miami. So we were always, you know, drawn to go back for the holidays and stuff or them or some family members coming to Miami. Um, but yeah, I've been living in the States, well, in Miami, well, in the States for yeah, probably like 32 total years. Wow. But, you know, we've been going back and forth. My dad and my grandfather worked in aviation, so... Wow. In the nineties, we traveled a little bit. We we're fortunate enough to do that. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, Miami is such a unique place for a bunch of different cultures coming together and, and like, like influencing the, the culture with, with their food. Mm -hmm. There's so many different kinds of food down there. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And, um, and it, it's, it's amazing. Again, like just, I really, really lucky to grow up in a in a town like that. I mean, it is wild, but I mean, it's a melting pot. It really is. You know, you've yeah. you got people from all over the world. Um, I went, I went to Miami, uh, like two years ago, a year ago, maybe it was like a year ago, maybe two years ago. And <laughs> I was, I was driving near Miami beach or is it South beach? Yeah. Um, and this lady was just walking across the street, breastfeeding a baby, uh -huh. pushing a stroller. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that, you'd only see that in Miami. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, you know, people don't stop. You know, we just keep going. Just keep going. And um, that's something that I uh, respect a lot about uh, different cultures. Because, like, um, I'm, my dad's from Honduras. Okay. And so most, all of my family, actually all my family on that side came from Honduras. Mm -hmm. And everybody that came here, they're all hardworking people. They've all started businesses. They're all successful. And so that's something that they, they're constantly just going and going yeah. and going. Yeah. And I appreciate that a lot. And especially, you know, like, I mean, my parents came to Miami, you know, to, you know, they wanted a different opportunity at what they wanted to do. And, um, and that's the thing, you know, is that, you know, that, I mean, I think generally when people come from outside the States, you know, and they want to make their life here, um, you know, it's a new playing field you know so like you got to get out there the only way to learn is to get out there right. and just do it so right. yeah I that's think. something too that i think that um like growing up here like i'm, I'm from the united states mm -hmm. but growing up in like i guess like in that kind of culture that people the, i feel like americans make it seem difficult to obtain like a like a business and have mm -hmm. a successful business whereas like a lot of your immigrants like they have no choice but to succeed right. and they have this idea of like what the American dream is and they're just constantly chasing it. Yes. And then that, that leads to their success. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I don't know, it's so, it's so difficult for young people and like people in, I guess, today's culture to be motivated to mm -hmm. do, to be successful and to like start their business and, yeah. 
and just work hard at it. Yeah. Yeah. No, especially In- instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Oh no, totally. I think, I think so too. I think there's some of that. Um, but yeah. And, um, I mean, for me, you know, like my generation, you know, like my, yeah, like I, I'm connected to my parents that came here, you know, again, for these opportunities and stuff. So like I saw them work so much, like, man, my mom had two, three jobs. My dad two at, at the time when I was younger, I think I had like two or three babysitters in a day. I think my mom <laughs> told me because they had a, because like that, you know, everything was, you know, I'm an only child, but I remember we moved to like a, we moved so many times around Miami and then going back to Peru. Like I moved in uh, second grade and then moved again in like sixth grade to Peru and then came back like 10th grade. Wow. Um, but everything was, you know, chasing opportunities and stuff. Mm-hmm that they thought, you know, was worth it and stuff. And, um, I mean, everything at the end of the time, I mean, they're like, my parents are about to retire and they're happy. And I mean, they've lived a pretty crazy, awesome life working hard. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I got that. I mean, it's like a, it's almost like a chip on your shoulder in terms of, you know, like when you, you know, like I, you know, you, um, it's not a chip on the shoulder, but it's like that in terms of like, it's in the back of your head, you know, like I think that what you're saying is, you know, like our parents are those you know, immigrants that come in, like, you know, they got that, like, we're here in the U.S., like, we're going to go, we're going to yeah. do this, this is how we're going to succeed. They were given an opportunity, and they ran with it. Right. So right. that, but, so that's on the back of their mind, you know, so, right. like, everything leads up to that. So, yeah, I totally, um, I see that for sure. Yeah, I guess I, my point, and I didn't make it clear, was that I feel like we have every opportunity here in the United States mm-hmm. to succeed. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize the potential that we have. Yeah. And so we just squander it away. Got it. I see what you're We're, saying. Yeah, whereas yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, a lot of immigrants when they come here, they know that this is their chance. Yeah. And a lot of times when you come here as an immigrant, you have no choice but to uh, like start a business or mm-hmm. because you're here on like a work visa. Right, you exactly. have to work. You exactly. have to be That's successful. Yeah. 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 And so you're kind of forced to, whereas like, somebody who's born here doesn't have to do anything if they don't want to. Right. 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 Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. I I, I appreciate that, that work ethic. And it's something that I admire, um, in, in my family members. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's awesome that they ran with every opportunity they had. Yeah. 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 Um, so how does your parents feel about, uh, you starting your business? I mean, you, obviously they came here to provide a better life for themselves Mm -hmm. and for you, and now that you've started your own business, you're you're succeeding because you started off in the Allen Center and then uh, worked your way up. You got a food truck or trailer, mm-hmm. and then now you're opening up a storefront. Yes. Yep. Well, how do they feel about that? They feel really, really, um, you know, proud. Um, you know, they're really happy for me. It's been, it's been a journey the past three months. You know, because I mean, three years. You know, I started this right before the pandemic, and then uh, kept going with it. Um, 2020 was tough. My wife's a, um, a nurse, an esthetist. So she, I mean, she was intubating COVID patients since the start. Um, so 2020 was tough. It was rough. It was, um, but we kept going with it. Um, and, um, 2020 was just like a really big learning experience. You know, everything was on the table, you know, everyone trying to figure out different ways to do whatever they're trying to do and be safe and (laughs) alive. Um, so, you know, while I was, what I'm trying to say is, you know, the past three years, because if it was a pandemic, you know, my parents didn't really get to come here too much. Um, I think since the pandemic, my parents have been here maybe twice. Um, you know, it took a year to get vaccinations. Um, you know, we were interested in that and, 
they were too. So we wanted to make sure we had that before anyone would show up anywhere. So, so that took some time. I don't know what year they got them, but like in 2021, I think they just started coming and then seeing what has been, you know, what I've been working on and stuff. So, um, they're very, they're very proud and it's, but you know, I kind of wish they were here during the process, you yeah. know? So they're kind of like, they've just been seeing it, you know, year by year once a year you know in person when they come but right. um but they're really proud they're really really proud especially because i mean we're going to be lansing's first peruvian restaurant ever and then we'll be the second one or the third one i hear there's a new peruvian mexican restaurant in grand rapids peruvian mexican yeah like a peruvian mexican restaurant okay i heard um so yeah there's only yeah two or three of us wow that's insane and then, yeah man and then we'll be the only one in mid michigan so um I mean, we're, we're excited. We're very, very, they're very proud. They're that's very, very proud. cool. Yeah. That's very cool, man. Yeah. Um, I had a question. I don't remember what it was now. Oh yeah. What brought you to Lansing? You're from Miami or actually you're from Peru, but yeah. Miami, what brought you here? I, so before I was doing Tantai, I was working on airplanes. I was a aircraft, um, avionics technician. Wow. So I met my wife, um, Melissa in Miami. She was going to the university of Miami while I was working at this, uh, like banner tower business, um, these airplanes that you know, tow banners mm -hmm. on the beach and stadiums and stuff. Um, and, um, I met her through a good friend of mine, um, uh, Raleigh, he was a pilot at the time. So him and I were, you know, pretty close at our job and he was living with, um, Melissa's roommate. So I went to pick him up one time, go out and I met her and, you're like, who you know, was that? Yeah, who's <laughs> that? Whoa. Um, so, yeah, and then the rest is history. I mean, we met there in Miami, um, got engaged. Uh, she's originally from, I believe, yeah, Detroit, but grew up in the greater Lansing area. Mm. Um, Lansing, Detroit. I'm sorry, Lansing, Grand uh, Ledge. And um, and she always said it, like, yo, if we're going to get married, like we're going back to Michigan. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? Like, we're in Miami. This is awesome. <laughs> But yeah, no, um, got engaged, came here, started our family. We have a daughter that's 10, and, um, Nellie and my son, August, who just turned eight. August. That's cool. August. Um, so yeah, we have two kids and yeah, we've been here since two. We moved, we got married in 2012 and then we, um, we moved here in 2013. Wow. Wow. So yeah. like 11, 10, 11 years ago. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and then coming here like why why did you start the business i mean did you was there like a lack of opportunities for like jobs and skills and what was so my situation was unique because you know um i worked in aviation like 12 years before i got here and then um and i was working you know at miami international airport at the time um so on like boeing 767 so big jets over 140 passengers and um and then moving to Lansing, you know, there wasn't like a big rest, uh, airport here that had like a maintenance facility. So Lansing terms, doesn't have that. Well, we so Lansing's a smaller airport, but um, all the big maintenance stuff, um, the stuff that I studied for that I had experience for, they were doing it in like a, in Detroit or mm -hmm. s or some other big facility at a bigger right, airport. Right. Um. So if like an airplane, something happens to it here. Um, and it can fly back to like a base or something like a hub, then they'll, that's what they'll do. You know, they'll like ferry flight it to somewhere else, no passengers, and then they'll work on it there with the whole team. And that's squad. interesting. 
So, um, so I couldn't find like an airline. And then, um, and when we first moved here, I was, I stayed at home with my daughter for her first year. Um, and then, um, and then just trying to, you know, scope out the, the lay of the land in terms of aviation. Um, so everything, all those bigger jobs, um, especially like pay, you know, that matched what my experience and stuff were more like around Grand Rapids and Detroit. Mm -hmm. But we stuck here in Lansing because uh, my in-laws are here. So they were, they were a big support for us when we had our kids, you know, babies and stuff. And um, uh, so, yeah, it was a little it was a little challenging just finding the right spots. In the meantime, you know, I just stayed home with my daughter, went back to school a little bit. Um, what did you go to school for? So I went to school for aircraft maintenance management. Um, and then, um, and then I just wanted to, f um, finish my bachelor's degree. So I did that online. Um, and then, um, I started working at LCC's aviation technology program at oh, wow. Mason. So I was a lab instructor there. And then, um, after that I went to Battle Creek, started working for a business, a company called Duncan Aviation. Mm. Um, it's like a pimp my ride place for <laughs> corporate jets. Um, in terms of like, I mean, like if they want, it's it's a great place. It's a hub here in the Midwest for a lot of corporate, um, like uh, private jets, private jets. Yeah. Yeah. So Gulfstream, Dassault Falcons, Cessna Citations, um, pimp my ride because, you know, we, customers would come and basically at the time, um, a lot of airplanes, um, had to redo all their like avionics, make it up to date because the there's a lot of airplanes in the sky now. Mm -hmm. So your avionics, like your electronics, have to be like up to date because before there'd be like a distance in between airplanes can fly on top or below each other. Oh, okay. And it used to be more distance, but now it's like getting closer and closer as they're traveling. Oh like my gosh, over 400 <laughs> miles an hour. But um, but in order to do that. You know, like the FAA was like, all right, everyone's got to update their freaking systems. And that was a lot of money that they had to spend on their airplane. So the facility that I worked at, they were like a huge hub for that new upgrade. Um, but then if an owner, I mean, like Richard Branson's airplane was there. Of course. You know, a lot of Saudi <laughs> princesses. I've, wow. I've worked on like Red Bull's airplane. Did you meet any Stryker. of these people? No, usually it's their like pilots, right. or, like their chief mechanics that will just show up to these places drop the plane off drop the plane off and then just pop in and out every day and make you nervous a little bit while you're working on their like <laughs> multi-million dollar jet <laughs> <laughs> um but uh how i got into you know doing tantai was just that yeah there was a void there was no peruvian food i mean coming from miami to here i was like whoa like man everything that i had at arm's reach in terms of culture and mm -hmm. cuisine and you know diversity you know it was um there was a lot you know missing what i was used to right living in miami so in here the first thing that as a peruvian i was like where the heck is that the first peruvian restaurant or the closest one so um and at the time i was working like a night shift um a second shift traveling like an, an hour an hour and a half to work just hating life just kind of <laughs> hating life i mean yeah because i was you know not around a lot like you know my you know, it was just a tough time, you know, we were, um, you know, at that point we were living in East Lansing, um, we moved from, to East Lansing from Lansing, we had two kids already, babies, two years apart, and um, I wasn't seeing them a lot. Second shift's hard for second a shift, family. Yeah, yeah, second shift was, was pretty tough, and um, 
and yeah, I was missing out on a lot. So I was like, you know, talking to my wife and she knew I was always passionate about something like this. So, you know, we talked about it and she, you know, gave me the green light for it. She's like, if you know, this is what you really want to do and you're passionate about it and she believes me, you know, so believed in me at the time. So she's like, go for it, you know? So, um, so yeah, I quit my job, resigned and then, you know, just started really, really working honestly harder than I've ever worked in my life. (laughs) (laughs) So what was the process like? How did you get involved in the Allen Center? I mean, because you you had this idea and then how did that come about? Like, what did you, what did you do? What was the first thing you did? So just um, asking in case like somebody hears us and they, maybe they want to yeah, like somehow yeah. get involved in that. And I love that because that's the whole thing. Like I, you know, since the beginning, I've always wanted to, I'm just an overthinker and sometimes that can be a fault, you know? Um, Cause you know, it'll just take me a little longer to get things going. Right. Because I'm just right. really thinking about everything in a head. What could go wrong? What could what? go wrong or what opportunities ahead of time that don't even exist yet. Right. You know, and, I think that's what an entrepreneur is, is like anticipating the next move that hasn't even happened yet. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, so I, um, my mother-in-law, um, gave me the idea of the Allen neighborhood center. She's like, I think they have an ink, like a kitchen. You can, a commercial kitchen you can um, rent and you can cook out of and, um, uh, how do you say it? And, and yeah, it's like start like a like a business incubator. So I went out there and um met uh, a friend a close friend of mine, I haven't talked to in a while. Um she was the kitchen and facilities manager at the time. And I remember meeting with her and telling her, like, hey, I wanna bring, you know, do Peruvian cuisine. Um and you know, I don't have money to just buy a food truck or get into a brick and mortar and, you know, and right. I have a lot to learn first because I, I, you know, I didn't go to culinary school or anything, but I know my cuisine, you know, well enough uh, to be confident to start, you know, Tantai. And, um, and then I remember when she, her name is Lindsay, when she showed me the kitchen, I was like, oh my God, like, this is amazing. <laughs> like it literally like, you know. 10 burners, refrigerators, you know, ice machine, dishwasher, prep tables, pans, pots. I don't have to pay for pots or pans or utensils <laughs> or anything like that. So it was like a no-brainer. Um, and then the only requirement was, you know, study up, get a surf safe food manager license, um, and then um, and then put a, um, a, how do you say it, a, an operational you know, handbook together, you know, your, your, um, your standard operating procedures, submit that to the Ingham County Health Department, pay a fee for that. And then, um, and then they grant you, you know, permission to, to serve to the public at a bigger scale, you wow. know? Um, and then I got all that as soon as I could. I mean, as soon as I got, I, I pitched that, I pitched at this leap competition. And as soon as I got my thousand dollars, I just spent it all on like the license, <laughs> like pots and pans and more stuff that I needed for the dinner parties. Wow. Um, and yeah, as soon as I got all that, um, I, man, I just, you know, try to be in there as much as I could. Um, and then with that space, you had to share it with other people, right? Yep, so yeah. it's like a couple, like you work one day or a shift or something and then somebody else does. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's like that. So yeah, you want to, once you're in there, you want to know, you know, what days you can go in, how many hours, 
And then you would submit that. And if it, the kitchen was available, basically you're renting it out by the hour. Um, but yeah, I mean, I started in there um, with a bot. I mean, a, a lot of other uh, business, local businesses. I know um, the Smoothie Queen lady was in there. Smoothie Queen. Um, Tammy was in there when I first started. Mr. Leslie Marcus. Yeah. A really close friend of mine. We basically, I mean, I've seen him hustle. We were both hustling at the same time. Like he was, when I was in there, when I was not in there, he was in there. I remember like leaving at like 1 a.m. after prepping for the, for the, for a farmer's market that I was doing the next morning. And I just leave everything in the refrigerator because I'd come back, like just literally go sleep on the couch, come back (laughs) and then make all the food in an hour and a half, put it in the outback and then head to the East Lansing farmer's market. Oh man. And then just rushing, like I'd just be there like late and then just like <laughs> setting up, you know, just one man show going back and forth. And But I remember leaving at one and Marcus would go in and he just put in his hours too. And we were all just starting. So it was cool because that's something very, very valuable. And that's what I think is ridiculously unique about that place at ANC is that, you know, you have all these other people, you know, um, trying to do, you know, you know, just trying to fulfill their dream. Right. And, um, and you just see, you know, the tremendous hustle, you know, physical, mental that people put in there, you know, to make Peruvian food, smoothies, a sauce, a dry rub, ketchup. I mean, like there's so many things that come out of there, you know, like I know Sleepwalker started there. Um, Jeremy started there. Kaylee, Apple Blossom, Kombucha started there. Um, yeah, a lot of really awesome, awesome names. That's so crazy. I mean, because the when you think of like a business and you, somebody sees your food truck and they're like wow that that's like the ideal business but what they don't see is all the hustle and the hard work and the late nights and oh, everything yeah. that went into it you jumping yeah. off the couch probably not showering and going to the oh, farmers yeah. market yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> oh my gosh crying on the way there crying <laughs> on the way back yeah oh. yeah um those days probably are extremely valuable they're very they're very valuable and, and, and again, that's what's so unique about Allen Neighborhood Center is that you, because, you know, entrepreneurship, someone said this, who was it? Um, but someone said it could be like a lonely road because, you know, you're in, you know, you're hustling whatever you're trying to do and no one really knows what you're trying to do. Yeah. You know? Everything mean, looks easy. One, to you're th- trying to figure it out, you know, along the way. And two, you're doing it. You know, right. you know exactly what it takes to do it. And, um, and then what people see is just, you know, when you're out there face, you know, value or whatever, yeah. however you say it, you know, but behind the scenes, man, it's, you know, it can get crazy. So, um, but what's nice about the Allen Neighborhood Center is, you know, I didn't feel too alone too many times because, again, I saw other people walking in the door trying to do the same thing, you know, right. or feeling like I felt the other day or whatever, you know, ups and downs, a lot of ups and downs, but that's what's unique about that spot is that you don't feel alone. Like you're the only one doing it because you see other people doing it too. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So going from that and then starting the the food truck, what was the change and how did that, what did that look like? Did you hire people after that? Did things get easier? Yeah. So at that time in the incubator was a lot of learning for me. Um, I had a really awesome team. Um, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Mike, um, he chef a lot of experience like a commander in the kitchen i learned a lot from him um and um in terms of like systems processes 
And that's what really I was like super into all the time because I just wanted to make it simple. It's so easy to lose money, you know, in the restaurant industry. Like one bad event mm-hmm. sets you back, you know, and if you have a bigger team, that's even, you know, it'll set you back more, you know. So luckily for me, that's why it's always been like keeping it as tight as possible. Um, but uh, the transition was really just always like learning and then going to the next step. Um at the time, like in 2021, um, we did, I was doing, um, you know, in-home stuff. Um, and that was great because, you know, I was showcasing Peruvian cuisine in a very um, unique, you know, personal in-your-home situation. And then um, great conversations. I got to talk about Peru, history, culture, the food, but then also like, throwing entrepreneurship a little bit in there, like, you know, explain what I'm trying to do and then pick people's minds, you know, like what, what they look for in restaurants or, you know, what makes them, what defines quality, what their definition of quality in a restaurant is, you know, is it the food? Is it because it's organic? Is it because, you know, the employees are treated fairly, um, get paid correctly, um, sourcing and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, the incubator um, did that, and then the Allen Neighbor Center got uh, an awesome big grant so that they can do an accelerator kitchen. So that was like the next kitchen. That's where I'm at now that we're about to get out of, um, and that's where really I've built it because that is like a shared kitchen space, lease. It's not rented by the hour. Um, you bring your own equipment. Um, Where's that at? The accelerator, that's at the Allen Neighbor Center also. It's on the Kalamazoo side. Okay. So that's where we've okay. been operating for the past two years. Okay, that's where I've been then. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, you can sit down there, limited, excuse me, dine, limited dining. Um, but yeah, I started there with um, Mr. Leslie's Cheesecakes, Smoothie Queen, and I. We were the first three. And um, and then, yeah, so that the point of the accelerator was to, you know, further prove your, prove your, your systems, your operation, your menu. Do they set goals for you to advance your business? They don't. Um, well, you know, so they have a kitchen manager now that's been doing a phenomenal job um, since he's been there. Um, he's got a lot of uh, restaurant experience. He's opened up um, sushi restaurants. Um, so, you know, he's very valuable in that operation because, yeah, he like, you know, he'll come in there and he'll yell at us and like, <laughs> hey, you know, you got, you know, but that's what it, you know, we're all learning, you know, and right. not yell at us, but, you know, right. he'll be out there and like, hey, just make sure, you know, this is good. I mean, when you're in a shared kitchen also, it's three different operations. So, I mean, you got to make sure that it's, you know, things are organized, clean, sanitized, um, you know, workbenches are um, sometimes shared, um, but we all do a really good job of, you know, making sure that, you know, everything is clean and sanitized. And um, and that's how it's been since we started there. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a shared kitchen. So there's no like fryers, you know, it's, it's limited. There's ovens, there's stuff for us to, for each business to grow, you know, but, um, but that being said, you know, also, you know, you're limited, um, which I think is great on, you know, what you can do in that kitchen. You mm. can't like have a big menu. Right. You know, I don't like that's gives me a headache. <laughs> um, but, you know, we had to work with what we had and maximize on that, which I think is awesome because I would rather do it like that, you know, just yeah. like, you know, build it small, you know, yeah. limited. And then from there, you know, because then that's why it's, you know, because especially the last two years I've been looking for restaurant space, but 
being in a kitchen like that and starting a business, then you don't need, you know, like you can see a restaurant and you're like, wow, what a huge kitchen. It looks amazing. I want it. But then you're like, wait, I don't really need this big kitchen. Right. You right. Know, our menu is this. This is how many team members we need. So, um, how many so, things did you start out with on the, on the menu? So the first items were, um, pollo saltado, which is a chicken stir fry. No, actually it was chicken stew. It was ají de gallina. And then it was huancaina sauce, which is a mildly spicy cheese sauce that we started at the beginning. Um, and then I did a quinoa salad. So a vegetarian option, um, a chicken option, and then like a sauce. But I was gr- as I was growing this, you know, then became, like came some challenges, like sourcing Peruvian ingredients to Lansing where it does not exist <laughs> has been really tough, you know. And, and Where it's, do you have to get your products from? So for the past two years and a half, I've been driving to Ann Arbor once a month, you wow. know, fishing like cases. And if I can't find it at the spot that I'm getting it at, then I'll be going to like at Ypsilanti. Oh, my you know, gosh. To another local like, you know, Latin American store. Um. And um, because there's no trucks, you know, like these peppers come frozen from Peru if you want them from Peru, because I don't want the paste for we make our own paste um, fresh. So, you know, all these peppers are, you know, proving ingredients get to like Detroit, get to Chicago mm-hmm. and then they're dished out from there. But there's not like a distribution, you know, like a right. truck that's like just coming. And I remember contacting like the major Peruvian distributor and they're like, yo, if you want us to bring like a truck to Lansing, like you're going to have <laughs> to fill that up and you're going to have to like oh only do it once every three months oh you know? my so i was like wow okay so yeah sourcing has been a big big challenge especially like getting peruvian products at a good price too you know because you don't want to like have just because it's peruvian you know mark up the prices and everything um you know it, everything was very like heidi said um like it had to make sense, you know? So that's why our menu is a little smaller. If it doesn't make money, it doesn't make sense. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so that's why I started slow, you know, at the beginning. Yeah. I made the, the cheese sauce, but then I was like, man, this cheese sauce takes a lot of Peruvian ají amarillo paste. So like we're, <laughs> I stopped doing the sauce and then because I needed it more for like the stews and the stir fries. Wow. So yeah, I started with like a quinoa salad, a chicken stew, then added a kale salad, a vegan one, then added the chicken stir fry. Those two were like the main or the main things for like a good year, and then we started venturing into like uh, ají de champiñones, which is like a mushroom stew, the mushroom ver- the vegetarian version of the chicken stew, and then same thing with the stir fry. We did like a mushroom stir fry, um, and then yeah, and then once we got into the accelerator, we started adding like ceviche, uh, potatoes, the ají the papa huancaína, soups, beef stir fries. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is ceviche, that's, um, how do you cook that? Um, so ceviche. It's not really cooked, right? It's not cooked. It's cured, I guess is how you say it, um, with lime juice. So we, our ceviche is awesome. And people, you know, uh, travel a little bit for our ceviche. It's very simple. It's the way I like it. Um, I think the the big thing, it's like in a sandwich, you know, like the bread's got to be excellent, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. the fish that we use is snapper. Um, we've been sourcing that from mertz meats since we started with ceviche wow um and we get a good snapper indonesian snapper um red snapper when it's available but good fish you want like a fish that's um not too flaky um not too chewy not too fishy either mm-hmm. you know, ceviche is a very delicate thing and if and i think that's why people love our ceviche because it's just simple 
it's healthy too, it's right? It's healthy. It's very healthy. Um, and, and our ceviche is with fish. It's not with, you know, nothing against shrimp or anything like that, but ours is a little bit just more delicate. So what we do is we draw out the moisture with some salt and then, um, and then we add our Peruvian spices, our Peruvian peppers. That's what makes Peruvian cuisine distinct is our, the flavors of our peppers and the heat and how they go well with salt acid. Um, so yeah, you draw out the moisture of that fish. So whatever touches it after, like it's absorbing and then, um, and then throw in some lime juice and then the lime juice basically like just cures the fish. So once that fish looks like, you know, like your fingers is being in a pool, like all pruny mm. or whatever, then you know, it's done. Wow. But it, it takes about it, like seven minutes for us to be confident that after seven minutes, we're confident that that fish is, you know, it's we know, yeah, it's wow. good to eat. And then we add some onions. We serve it with sweet potatoes. Um, at the new spot, we're going to start um, sourcing Peruvian corn, which is traditionally you, you put it on the ceviche. We haven't been doing that the past years just because sourcing that is, uh, has been just char- challenging to get it always consistently. Right. Um, so, um, um, but yeah, that's just, that's, that's how simple it is. So when you're biting that ceviche, you know, you have that fish, um, the heat of it the salt and then the sweet potatoes, like it all balances it out. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. Now you guys are opening up the storefront on Jolly in Okemos. Yes. Uh, right next to Cancun. Yes. So you're going to have two like, like Hispanic type of restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. Right next. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, are you going to have like a sit down area inside for people to dine in? Yep. Yeah, we are. We're going to have sit down. Um, we're going to have a bar area for people to sit down and eat. We're not going to have a liquor license. I, okay. I really want to start off simple. Um, um, uh, you know, step by step. That's what's been the best for us. And, um, and uh, we're going to maybe increase the menu one more item. Um, and then just work on really training. You know, I mean, there's not a lot of Peruvians here in Lansing, so I'm not going to bank on just getting Peruvians to cook, you know, <laughs> or in our right. team. So, um, our training has to be stellar, good culture so that anybody can go in there and that wants to learn, um, Peruvian cuisine, um, they will. So, um, how do you teach that? I mean, I, I feel like when you're a, a restaurant owner and an entrepreneur, you kind of have to be, have all these different skills. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you learn that? Like, how do you learn how to run a business? How do you learn how to cook? And how do you learn how to like market all these different things? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also train because like, mm-hmm. that's like a whole nother thing is yes. being able to educate people in the way you do things. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's definitely a lot, and you got to go by it systematically. I always like thought like first like the operation has to be good. You know, we got to we've been doing this with just three people this entire time, which wow. a lot of people are like, damn, you know, because <laughs> you know we wholesale at a minute level, um, and we just started doing a little bit more. We took a little break in the summer, um, putting salads at Capital City Meyer, just because we literally again we're three people and we were so busy this summer but we needed it to be because we want this thing to survive. Right. So we had to be out there, you know? Um, so, um, yeah. So like that, the beginning was all operation. Like, okay, whoever was going in, like you just taste everything, you know? And, and it's fun because I get to talk all about the culture and stuff. And I think it's important that, you know, my team knows what it means to me too. Um, the quality of it and all that. Um, but at the same time, so to answer your question, how do you teach? I mean, you teach, but this is my opinion. I mean, 
the better you teach will depend on how like what you're teaching how simple it's it's put out does that make sense you want it to be you want people to be able to understand exactly easily exactly so 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 part of our success was that yeah we just you know i've been able to break it down in a simple way so that people can go in and learn easier rather than just depend on a recipe or, or anything like that you know um because i mean i'm an aircraft technician you know so like i to work on aircraft you have to have the manual out you have to Mm, by law you know so to make sure that you know you have all the resources that you have to do it right right so you can go back you know turning a wrench and stuff like that that's not hard right but like learning what to do when something hits the fan you know what i'm saying that's different so like in the kitchen you know I'm, i'm always you know you know pretty i just make it certain that we're all tasting stuff that we're knowing and because if it doesn't taste the way we want it to then we got we know how to fix it you know doesn't need a little bit more milk a little bit of salt you know a little bit of this i feel like you get fat real quick (laughs) (laughs) we don't eat a lot in the kitchen i mean we have to sometimes remind each other to eat um it gets i mean i it's weird i mean i will be cooking and um chelsea is the one that cooks a lot um she's like our executive chef basically she's awesome um and she's been with us for two years now i think yeah but she's she cooks some really good peruvian food man oh my gosh when i'm not there she's there and i mean most of our reviews honestly in the last year has been her cooking there so i feel really proud of that but again i I think yeah if you want to train then everything like what you're training and how you're laying it out has to be simple so that they can succeed you know right right yeah yeah, I mean, I come from the uh, manufacturing world, and okay, so I work. Yeah. I work at GM, so it's mm-hmm. a, all a process. Every job has like a what they call a JES. It's the process to the job, like, and it's step by step. Yes, you, you put the part on the car like this. You turn mm-hmm. it this many times. You run this down, then you run that down. You have to follow it exactly. Yes, but I would assume that working in a kitchen is not always like that. You know, like you had said, you got to taste it. And then if it doesn't taste quite right, now you got to like mix something else and you know, mm-hmm. you know what to do to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. That's really cool. And I, and be, what you just said, cause that's basically my work experience has been like that, you know, like, okay, right. you have your, uh, it's, we called it the, um, like the squawk or the job, you know, the, it's like a, you had your, um, oh my gosh, you see, it's been a while now. Um, but anyways, you have your piece of paper, right? And it tells you what you're going to do. You're going to work on this airplane, the client's this person. And we're working on removing the left, you know, uh, tire. Okay. So in that paper document, it'll say, okay, removing the tire should take this amount of hours, you know, and then go to manual page chapter this for reference. And you'll need these tools to do the job. Right. Right. So, um, so I've been working on basically applying that type of process into our processes, our mm. systems so that, you know, so like our salads, like we have a book and it shows the salads, you right. know, what one batches. So before the week, you know, I, um, know how many batches I need to do. I need to deliver a batch to hooked, um, half a batch of containers to capital city Meyer. Um, and then we need a batch for the food truck because we have two events that this week, you know, and then we need one for service for at the restaurant. So we need four to five batches. So, wow. so then in the book, they know exactly like every, like we need this amount of lentils on hand. We need this amount of barley. 
um, we're doing five batches, so we need amount, this amount of sauce, and it tells you everything what one batch is, so then that the teammate comes in and sees that, and then they just multiply everything and then make sure that, one, if we need more things, we go get it, or you know, someone goes get it, and then if not, then we just you know go do it. That's really cool. I like how you're applying your past experience mm-hmm. working in the um, airline industry to your restaurant. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty cool because, I mean, I'm sure there's so many different ways you could do. Yeah. You could have your operation set up. Yeah. And I'm sure there's probably people out there like, well, you're doing it the wrong way. You're doing oh, it the right way. Sure. You're supposed Without to do it this doubt. way. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but it, whatever works, works. Exactly. Right? And yeah. if it's easy, then why, why not do it that way? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's cool. So why did you name it that? Why why is it is Tante, right? That's how you say it? Tantai. Tantai. Why why did you name it that? So um, growing the business at Allen Neighborhood Center, um, especially during the pandemic, you know, a lot of things were, you know, broken supply chain, you know, a lot of broken links. Um, A lot of restaurants were suffering from that. And um, luckily, you know, fortunately for us, we weren't like a restaurant yet where I was still building it, right? So this entire time I've been trying to just locally source as much as I can run around, get all the stuff because I, you know, we didn't have the volume to just get trucks loads from Gordon or Cisco and stuff, a lot of product, right. That will expire in its own shelf life. So, um, so, so yeah, you know, a little bit of running around getting, um, ingredients, but you know, being at the Allen Neighborhood or something that is promoted just because that's their culture. That's the way the community is there is that it's very community-based. So, I mean, they have a outstanding, very successful veggie box program, CSA program. Um, I say that, so just pinpointing that they just have great connections with local um, farmers. Um, and then since I was doing farmer's markets, I mean, I would, you know, um, once in a while get green onions, tomatoes, potatoes that I wanted, purple potatoes um, um, for the menu because of quality for sure, but also to support, you know, our farmers and the community. Right. So, um, so Tantai, what Tantai means is to bring people together to join, um, reunir, which means like reunion. So like to bring people together, it's a word in Quechua and Quechua is the native language of the Incas. Um, so I named it Tantai because one, we're bringing Peruvian cuisine where it doesn't exist. So that's how we're bringing people together Um, something that I've always wanted to do since the start and we have been is paying higher than average wages as well. Um, so when, you know, it's a good night, you know, or on the food truck or whatever, we, everyone split, we all split the tips. That's just the way we do it. Um, you know, people are making $20 an hour, you know, and and that for me is, um, great, you know? And so that makes me want to keep things simple, you know, and so that we can not have a huge staff, but the ones that are here. Are making a, a are making, I'm a, you know, or uh, getting there, right? Yeah. So, and that only gets better as we get better, right? As a whole. So, it in, it incentivizes people too to want to be hard working, exactly. hard workers. Exactly. So, yeah. um, so they, they know they're going to get rewarded. Mm-hmm. So that's how we're bringing people, or, or we're trying to, within our own staff. Um, and then the other one is sourcing too. So, sourcing is something that I've done very little. Um, or sorry, at a smaller scale, but now that we're going into a brick and mortar, now we can finally use that same model, but like, you know, scale it up now. So, so that's how, that's why I came up with that name because it embodies all of that. You know, That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So do you still plan on doing like farmer's markets and all these other different, um, events and taking the, the trailer out mm-hmm. while, while having the brick and mortar? 
So um, we're going to open in winter. So we're looking for like a soft opening in December. Um, that's what I'm going to try to do. Um, and then probably take a little break and then just go full force, open fully open in January. That way we all take a little break because it has been a hectic summer. Um, so we um, so once we're in there, it's going to be the winter. So not a lot of farmers markets, obviously, and the big outdoor events. So it'll be it's great timing for us for that trailer that to kind of just timing. rest a little bit because. <laughs> I gotta get new tires on that thing. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta spend some money on that trailer. It's a beast. It's so good. It's heavy. Um, but, um, but yeah, that'll rest. And then next summer, we're gonna play it by ear. I mean, definitely. I mean, we have a trailer, and the trailer is a mobile kitchen, and it's a big kitchen in there. We can do a lot. So um, we'll definitely do festivals next year because there's been just such, such a, um, incline in awesome like community festivals like based events around mm, lansing yeah and um and especially in the past three years i feel like it's blown up more and more and more why do you think that is i think um i think there's some i think there's some honestly because i've met some of them uh, most of them but the people that are putting on these festivals i mean they're they have a great heart in mind um they're very they have the community you know in the in, in their forefront you know with what these festivals are and and who are the vendors you know if they're all minorities like um uh to answer your question i just did, i think that the people that are doing it that have like really awesome ideas they're just mm -hmm. they're doing it really well you know they're, i think for like because it, it seems like because i started doing this podcast uh -huh. two little over two years ago now um yeah two years i started in 21 um, the beginning of 21, but like, it seems like since I started interviewing people, having people on to talk mm -hmm. about their events, it seems like there's a, like a, a huge need for people to feel like, uh, like a community connection Yeah, and even more so like for like cultural connections. Mm -hmm. Um, like I, I had Adriana on not too long ago, uh, Adriana Lopez, Ellis oh, Lopez. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah, she was yeah. cool. We got to work together doing that the event. Hispanic Heritage Festival. Yeah, yeah, that was a cool event. And so, awesome. like, there's all those t different type of events going mm -hmm. on in Lansing, like you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. And it seems like there's a huge like need for people to express their culture in Lansing. Yes. Yeah, especially because Lansing is a refugee city too. Mm -hmm. So there's it's almost becoming like a melting pot. It is. It is. You know you. You can sense that the city wants to be led by its diversity, um, and you got some diverse people in, um, in these organizations that are, you know, piecing the puzzle, you know? So something that I always say is that this town is, like, ridiculously connected. You know, mm -hmm. we all know yeah. each other somehow, right, through someone, our kids, or whatever. So, um, and I think that makes it a great landscape, you know, as a playground for all of us to just go in there and, like you know, um, take over, you know, what we yeah. want to take over. So like, I feel like I, to answer your question, probably because a lot of people are more connected maybe in terms of like, you know, who has a venue, who has, um, you know, a platform, you know, that someone else that, that can, that wants to invite someone else to get on to build their own platform. Right, so right. at least with the people that I've been working with, I've seen a lot of people that have, you know, been using their platforms so that other ones can be on them. You know, I mean, I'm one that has used someone else's platform many times so that I can build mine. So right. I think that, that that's awesome. That's very unique. And uh, that's what I love about Lansing. I think uh, coming out of COVID too, like there was a huge desire. I don't know if it had something to do with being locked up and how people witnessed that all these big restaurants were the ones that, and, and not just restaurants, but stores even, 
were the ones that succeeded. Mm-hmm. And then during COVID, the small businesses are the ones that took the hit. And then what, like we were talking earlier with about how, how Saddleback has mm-hmm. uh, helped the community out mm-hmm. and people see that and they want to support local businesses that do stuff like that. I right. mean, like I had Travis on yesterday and we were talking about how Saddleback paid off the school, um, school uh, lunch debt. Yeah, and yeah. then that, that them doing that and talking about it, provoked other businesses or oh yeah other business like eight other businesses to pay off other school districts mm-hmm. uh loan debts yeah and so then people hear about that and then they want to support local businesses and then these local businesses are the ones you see at these events and and supporting all these different cultural events and yes. whatever it is and then so that i don't know it's just like a huge demand now for like small businesses to be mm-hmm. supported here lo- locally in lansing it's yeah. pretty cool no, it's it's great, and and you're right. I mean, the pandemic that it definitely did showcase all that. You know, like even like the injustices, you know, in the kitchens, you know, for minorities, mm-hmm. you know, people of color, um, LGBTQ. You know, like um, that's something that I've always thought about too. You know, like I do not want to be a restaurant that treats my people like crap. There's no way. You know, yeah. like I wouldn't be who I am or what where we would be without my team. You know, right. so um, I think people care about that more. You know, and especially like the younger generation, they're really into, you know, sourcing locally, um, also sustainability, um, social justice in the kitchen, climate change, all these things. So like if you don't shape, in my opinion, if you don't shape your business that meets those, because that's the new consumer in my Mm -hmm. mind. Yeah. Um, So and the labor force. So if you want that quality of people that are leading your kitchens or buying your items, then you need to you know, um, support all those things or make sure you're in line with all those things. I mean, we right, are right. not because that uh, consumers or whatever, it's just cause we really care about that. Right. You know? Yeah. And when you see, you go to restaurants nowadays at restaurants, you see young people, you know, mm-hmm. that are even like managers, like bar managers or restaurant managers. They're younger, you know, they're not like, I just feel that's what, like that's what we need, <laughs> you know? Well, and, and that's going to shape up the businesses itself. I mean, if you had a, like a younger, diverse, you know, person of color minority that's in a leadership role in a restaurant, chances are, you know, they're going to want to, you know, they're leading that way. Right. right? So, right. so that's good. There, it's kind of funny because I mean, we're talking about culture and the way um, businesses uh, treat different cultures in the business and how open and diverse they are. And I work for General Motors. Mm-hmm. And so they claim to be extremely diverse. Mm-hmm. Like they LGBTQ, they fly the flag, whatever. Yeah. I guess like my problem with that is like, it's not that it's the fact that these companies, giant companies jump on board and they have no relationships with, with yeah. anybody in these communities. Mm-hmm. They just say that they support these people mm-hmm. and they don't really care. Um, like for instance, I have a, there's a, a girl and you, you might know her, but she, uh, she works at uh, GM and okay. she's from Mexico. Okay. Can't speak any English. And they tried firing her for not being able to speak English. Oh gosh. Yeah. And I'm like, you hired her. Yeah. Like, how are you going to fight? Like you want to be like inclusive. You want to be diverse, but yet you're going to fire somebody who, who can't speak English because right. you decided to hire her. Mm-hmm. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes no sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. And it's very unfortunate. But, you know, it's that uh, that's my problem with like big businesses and just getting on board and saying that they support all these different. I mean, and maybe they do, but um, show it, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. that's one thing I like about small businesses, you know, when they do 
support those different communities, those different events, it shows because, I mean, they typically have those people working for them. Yeah. Those are the kind of people that, that want to go work for them. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and clearly it's a huge need to have these incubator, uh, like kitchens because Definitely. there's, there's a few that are opening up here in Lansing, mm-hmm. uh, a few more. Yes. Um, there, I can't remember the name. What's the one downtown that's the, the Makata club. Yeah. The Makata club. Yeah. Um, and then isn't there another one too? I think I got somebody Another incubator. I don't know. Somebody just told me, I think there's one on, um, it, it's like this church or something that opened up on the North, North side of Lansing. Okay. Um, and they have like an incubator kitchen too. Yeah. Yeah. So like something from the pandemic is that, you know, you know, a lot of these, um, organizations that have kitchens in it, or even like churches that have a kitchen, you know, some of those are underutilized. So um, a lot of them, and since it's a licensed kitchen, they can they can rent it out if they want. And I think that's what's been going on is that you see churches with commercial kitchens that have been underutilized, especially after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's try, what that's what Aaron get, Meadows does. Okay, yeah. yeah. So then you try to get an entrepreneur that's you know um, that wants to rent it out and start their business. That's awesome. So I think yeah, that's what I forget what church that is that you're saying, but. But the Makata Club, I mean, that's going to be awesome too. I mean, there's, they're going to be incubating a lot of, um, how do you say it, entrepreneurs. Right. Is, people, it, is, uh-huh. is that what the Lansing Shuffle is too? Do you know? The Lansing Shuffle isn't so much as an incubator, but it is a shared kitchen. Like it's a shared, they have, I think they share one big hub kitchen, but okay. then they all have their own stall and their own equipment and their okay. own little kitchen. Yeah. Um. But I mean, that type of atmosphere is trendy, you know, like get... Um, different concepts, the diverse, the better, and then put a bar there or some type of entertainment that brings people together. Mm-hmm. And then um, they have a variety of like a food court. That's been trending for a while now. And it's nice to see it here in Lansing. Um, the Makata is different just because they're going to be incubating them. So they're going to be using their connections with other entrepreneurs or business um, organizations so that they can help these entrepreneurs That's cool. you know, go to that next step, you know. That's very um, cool. So that, that'll be really, really awesome once that gets going, um, especially because, you know, in downtown, I mean, it's a it's going to be a thriving place, you know, now with the Performing Arts Center, the, the first one that's going to open up here. I think this weekend already it started. Yeah, I think Great it was. Wall. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, things are looking good in there, you know, f- at least since the past 10 years that I've been here. Um, but the Mikado will be sweet because they're, again, they got those connections to help those entrepreneurs succeed. And, um, and yeah, I'm excited for that. That's very cool. Um, and then one last question, we can wrap this up, but, um, do you plan on opening up other, other locations or is this your first one and you're just going to kind of see how it goes and then, yeah, this will be my first one. Um, I would love to, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I want to keep this simple, duplicatable, um, so that we can, you know, use the same model, you know, Mm -hmm. again, source more from local farmers, um, pay higher than average wages, um, create a really awesome culture and then just put Peruvian food more on the map here. Um, so, so yeah, you know, I'm definitely thinking about that again, like, yeah, thinking ahead, overthinking it and everything, (laughs) but I think we, I mean, that's, what's been awesome starting or since we've started is that we've done so many different, like big caterings, farmers markets, food truck events. Like we have, we've gained so much experience Mm operating in different ways right very flexible that it's caused me to like you know not shy away from any of these things you know so like yeah opening up a 
another spot in the future is definitely in my in my mind. Um, but yeah, this one is perfect for us because it's a perfect springboard for our um, our business. Like you know, we're around four hotels. We're right off the highway for the people that are traveling for us on the weekends. Um, you know, we're close to MSU. MSU has been great to us. They've helped me put products on shelves, um, just mentorships, um, caterings. We put our food truck on campus too. Um, I mean, we're in the perfect spot for us to, to, to increase the operation and to learn, you know, like it's a numbers game too. So like, I mean, once we're there, it's going to be awesome. Cause it's just going to get more, we're going to get more number. Like we're just getting more experience, more experience. And then what works, what doesn't, and then how do we bring more people and and um and i i would love i mean i love lansing i love the east side neighborhood um unfortunately i just couldn't find anything that really made sense to us so that we can continue to the path that we're going in terms of like you know the size of a kitchen or right. how much is needed to build it out and stuff things are tight you know mm-hmm. um you know we're still basically like a startup you know so now that we have the first restaurant we're just gonna learn a lot and, and i would love to just put a spot in lansing at some point i love lansing i mean lansing was great to us so but that's awesome having the food truck will be in lansing quite a bit for sure still though <laughs> that's awesome like you said it's a mobile kitchen so it you is. can put it wherever yes um oh one last question are you gonna be hiring anybody we are so we've already have um i've already been in talks with a couple people that have been very interested um and now that we're finally going to open um um you know talk to them and then see um, if we, again, locally, I mean, luckily I have already two or three people that are potentially just going to join the team. Um, and then, um, once we, I anticipate by springtime, yeah, we're going to start at least hiring at least one or two more people, especially because of the food truck operation in the summer, that's heavy. And then caterings and all that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's the goal for sure. We're going to open up with four to five people um this winter and then um from there yeah check it out yeah see, see how we go very cool man <laughs> well i'm i'm excited to uh check out the new place eventually thanks and um, i appreciate it yeah absolutely thanks for doing the podcast thanks for having me man this yep. is this is awesome this is a really awesome like this environment is sweet oh, gonna, well, i have questions you. about what's over here though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. this is sweet yeah man. thank you bro yep thank you